Hey listeners, before we begin the episode today, just a quick shout out to those of you who are in active recovery. You know you want to date, but you're overwhelmed or frustrated with the process um, of dating and recovery. We have an opportunity just for you. Uh, check out our new website, One Layer Deeper, O-N-E, LayerDeeper.com, uh, where we have information about our weekend dating and recovery intensives. Uh, these are awesome. They're a lot of fun. They help you dive deep into the issues that uh, keep you from dating successfully, having the relationships that you want, um, and also helping you find the kind of people that uh, you won't avoid their phone calls after a first date. So uh, we have two events upcoming. We're going to have a weekend for women. That'll be October 11th through 14th. And a weekend for men. That'll be November 1st through 4th. Uh, So if I'm talking to you, active recovery, and uh, you're frustrated with the whole dating process and would like to experience a deep change there, One Layer Deeper is for you. So check us out at OneLayerDeeper.com. Hope you enjoy the episode. sharing podcast the podcast where we explore all things recovery healing and relationship remember to subscribe and download episodes in the itunes store the google play store or on the podbean app you can find more thanks for sharing at www.thanksforsharingpodcast.com or on facebook at facebook.com slash healing paths that's path with an s hey thanks for sharing listeners this is john t and i'm jackie p um, we're here today with Dwayne Osterland. He is the host of the Addicted Mind podcast. How you doing, Dwayne? Good. Glad to be here. Yeah, we're we're excited. Um, we've uh, so we launched about two years ago. And how long ago did you launch, Dwayne? I think we la- I launched about a year ago. Okay. To, to start the Addicted Mind podcast. Cool. So we've we've kind of um, known about Dwayne and what he's doing. Um, but haven't really connected until the last few months. And um, we're really excited to have him on the show today to talk about why he's started the Addicted Mind podcast and what that focuses on. So tell us a little bit about what you do, Dwayne. So uh, as you said, my name is Dwayne Osterlin. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist and a certified sex addiction therapist. And I've been working in the field of therapy. This is my second career kind of thing. I actually worked in the film industry before I uh, became a therapist, but I've been working in, the, in as a therapist for probably the last 13 years and, um, you know, really love it. It's my second kind of career of, uh, uh, you know, first I started off in the film industry. I wasn't really happy doing that and, and uh, kind of looking for my own healing, I think as a lot of therapists do mm-hmm. and kind of went on that personal journey and ended up uh, becoming a therapist and, and really loving it. And then, yeah, in the last were last year, I started the addicted mind podcast. It was something that um, I had kind of tried to launch a year earlier, but just couldn't get everything organized and get it going and kind of figure it out. And then I finally got it going. And part of my goal was to really just bring good information to the addiction treatment field Mm -hmm. for people who, you know, they're looking for treatment and there's so many things out there. And, um, you know, uh, how do you make a decision on what kind of help to get? So Mm -hmm. 
I wanted to kind of bring to people all the different options that are out there for healing and, and help. And especially for people who are dealing with addiction, because it's so, um, it can be so devastating. So Mm -hmm. that was kind of part of it. And then on, um, on a little, little bit of, or I would say a little bit more of a selfish part of it. Um, I like meeting new people and the podcast gave me an excuse to call up people and say, Hey, you want to come and talk to me about what you're doing? Cause it's really interesting and yeah. I want to know more about it. So it kind of gave me like a, a platform to be able to reach out to people that, uh, I probably wouldn't reach out to otherwise. So, um, which is really, really exciting to do and to kind of get, um, new knowledge out there and kind of learn about, uh, you know, uh, mental health and addiction treatment and, and all that. So that's kind of where I was. Awesome. I think that's one of the greatest parts about doing a podcast is you get to have all of these great conversations with the people who are doing great work and it's recorded. Right. And so then, and, and how great is that just to be able to share those conversations with other people? Right. Yeah. And be able to ask the interesting questions that you want to want to know about. And uh, so, yeah, I'm really enjoying it. It's been a, it's been a, a great uh, journey yeah. so far, you know. Nice. Um, when we were talking about um, kind of setting this up and, and you were telling me what you started the podcast for and um, you, you had mentioned some um, perspectives on current addiction treatment versus maybe what could be more effective or more efficient. Do you remember us talking right. about that? Yeah, 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 definitely. Talk and a little bit about that. Sure. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the things um, that I kind of discovered as I did this work is that, you know, uh, when I first started, I, um, you know, I worked in an agency that that provided a a lot of treatment for people who are struggling um, with addiction and and specifically like court mandated, you know, in lieu of in lieu of prison time, do addiction treatment. Mm -hmm. And um, it came from a very kind of hardcore uh, no nonsense approach. Um, uh, some of it very um, kind of some of the old kind of hardcore 12 step approach. And what I also found is that which worked for some people, but then I also found there was a group of people that it didn't work for. And my natural inclination was asked, well, why are these people leaving treatment? You know, mm-hmm. and a lot of times what I heard and it kind of really bugged me was, well, they're just not ready. And I said, well, I, I don't know a lot of people who are struggling with addiction. They don't like it. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm like, I couldn't understand that idea of like, they're not ready. It didn't make sense to me. I mean, I, I think they were miserable. They said they were miserable. And I said, so I really kind of put the question back on me and asked myself, what a, as a clinician, what am I not doing to help these people get ready? And that was the challenge. And that was where um, that was my, pursuit, I guess, is like, I didn't like the idea of saying that person's not ready. They're just Mm -hmm. not there. They haven't hit bottom. It just didn't make a lot of sense to me. Mm -hmm. And so it was this kind of pursuit of what's working. If they're leaving treatment, right, and they're not happy, what do I need to do differently to keep them engaged in treatment so that they get the help that they need and they get to, you know, live the life that they actually really want to live not a life that is, you know, mired in this addictive process, whatever it is, sex addiction, alcohol, drugs, whatever, whatever it is. And so that kind of, that was my pursuit of understanding because it just didn't sit with me. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I started to explore things. I started to ask questions like, well, you know, how does this work? And, you know, kind of as a, I guess, a greener therapist, you, you know, you're learning all these things. So you start looking at like, well, let's, you know, instead of this confrontational approach, let's take a motivational interviewing approach or, you know, how do we engage the client? How do we get them into their own healing? If they're leaving, then how are they not attaching to me as a therapist? What am I missing? And, and that was kind of the question that I kept asking myself. And I think that's also leads into why I love doing the Addicted Mind podcast, because I get to ask those questions mm-hmm. of different experts in the field that, um, uh, you know, know certain things that uh, I might not know, or that a uh, person who's getting treatment might not know or needs to know, you know, what, or yeah, their family or their significant other. Or, yeah, yeah, definitely. And so it's just kind of, I guess that natural pursuit. So I really enjoy that. And that's mm-hmm. kind of where I've always, that's a stance I've always kind of taken in, in, in this work is, is how do I help these clients? If they're not successful, what can I do differently? Mm-hmm. And um, that's kind of informed my work. Which I think particularly with addiction, um, that's a, I'll, I'll say that's a paradigm that I think is really largely out there in the addiction world is this is how we, or in the addiction treatment world is this is how we do addiction treatment. And anyone who that doesn't work for, they're not ready or they don't really want it. Or that's about them. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, exactly. And one of the things that uh, the agency that I founded as well, you know, that's one of our philosophies is that we really build treatment around each individual that comes in because, you know, what I found is what worked for this person doesn't work for that person. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes we got to try it. Mm-hmm. And see if it works. And if it works, great. If it doesn't work, let's move on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. And let's try that. And that this, you know, with addiction, this is, um, you know, what I found, this is a long-term process. This is healing that takes time. And uh, most of people who are coming in with addiction, um, you know, are dealing with, you know, complex and developmental trauma. And, you know, we got to work on that and, mm-hmm. and to, you know, help them regulate their affective system so that, you know, they don't turn to the addiction as a way yeah. to soothe mm-hmm. and cope. And so, um, you know, it was just kind of part of that process, what works and we'll just be flexible. We'll figure it out as we go. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think that approach that has started in our field, I would say the the way of looking at addiction is shifting from maybe that old rigid paradigm, right? Or looking at it from a moralistic perspective or something is fundamentally wrong with this person. And now we're starting to look at it through the trauma lens, through Mm -hmm. attachment lens, and really leaving that Mm open-ended, right? And making the person who's coming into treatment a partner with the treatment team or with a therapist in terms of they have valuable information Um, that we don't have about them that's going to be helpful in figuring out how to get sober Mm -hmm. and and really into meaningful recovery. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with that. So that was kind of, um, yeah, my journey in, in, in doing all of this and, and kind of putting it all together and kind of making it happen is to get that information and say, Hey, look, there's all these different kinds of treatment options, Mm -hmm. explore what one fits for you and let's try and do it. And, and uh, figure it out because, yeah. um, you know, I, there's a quote that I love from uh, Virginia Satir and um, uh, she, she, she was a, a therapist, um, you know, that um, really was a very experiential therapist, a family therapist and kind of one of the pioneers of uh, family therapy. But one of her quotes was, you know, beware the tyranny of the one right way. 
mm-hmm. you know, which I really, I like hold on to that quote because it always reminds me of like, sometimes when I think I, I know what's right, I may not be. <laughs> and if I hold on to that too tight, I don't open up to other possibilities. So yeah. I, I kind of try and I, I like that quote a lot because it speaks to me, mm-hmm. if that yeah. makes sense. And, and kind of opens up that there are, there are other ways and, and yeah. um, each person is an expert in their own, their own yeah. healing. Which I, which I think is credit that we don't often extend in the, in the treatment world to addicts, especially, you know, right. There's yeah. that. And I, I think there's, there's merit to this, but there's that 12 step saying that's like your own best thinking got you here. Yeah, um, exactly. Which is true. But then there's also like, are you really missing the boat on everything? Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah. I, I really, I find with the clients that I work with when there's much more of that collaborative approach or they're coming in with, Hey, I, I read about this or I'm wondering about this. Can we talk about it? kind of that, like, let's try it out and see where it goes. Um, I find there's a lot more engagement for my clients in treatment. Um, yeah. And, and, I, and if I, and if I look at like my own healing journey, you know, I mean, I think for most people who become therapists, there's the reason they become therapists, you know, <laughs> they're looking for their own solution. And in a way that's what I did mm-hmm. to get some of my healing is, you know, I, I looked for it. You know, so some of the investigation is also me trying to understand myself, mm-hmm. you know, and the way that I work. And, and so I kind of think of, you know, anybody who is sitting across from me, you know, they're on that same journey, uh, maybe at different parts or in different ways, but in the same journey that I'm on, you know, which is how do I heal my wounds and, and how do I continue to make a life that, um, is meaningful to me and, um, you know, feels good and, and has value and I feel good about, you know, I, so it's, it's, it's a little bit of both, I guess, I guess yeah. we bring ourselves to the, to the process. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in, in your, in your year of like interviewing these great thinkers and doing research, what are some of the most interesting or surprising things that you've learned about what can work for people in recovery? Um, gosh, you know, um, I haven't, uh, this is what I think is really fascinating to me. I, it, it, I haven't released the episode yet, but it's coming out and, um, it's working with, um, the research on PTSD and using psychedelics mm. in that treatment. And the research that is coming out is, um, pretty compelling and really strong. Um, so I, I just interviewed some researchers in, um, you know, that are doing this work and, um, they're, you know, they're, I think they're in, uh, they're in the process of their phase three trials, which is really exciting. Mm -hmm. And, but I think that goes to show us how much, um, you know, looking at the neurochemistry Mm -hmm. of how our brain operates as part of that healing process. And that, I mean, I think that's moving so fast. We're learning so much. So that's one of the things I, I just find some of this cutting edge treatment uh, really promising. Um, and hopefully it will pan out and, and we'll mm-hmm. see that, you know, um, that this is going to help a lot of people. So that's been really interesting. I, I also got to recently interview Scott Miller and his feedback informed treatment model. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that, but um that is really fascinating in the sense of like, as therapists, we are, are not the greatest judge of how good we're doing with our clients. Mm-hmm. We think we actually, we, th- we usually think we're doing really great. 
And um, well, why wouldn't we think that? <laughs> well, no, I know, right? I don't know. I question it quite often. So. <laughs> but you know, when we get active feedback um, from the clients that sit across from us, and they, and and we create that environment of them telling us is therapy working for them or not. Mm-hmm. Um, we, the, the, we increase the likelihood of therapeutic success, yeah. uh, pretty significantly, mm-hmm. but we have to do it within a, um, a very structured way of doing it. So that's, you know, there's just a lot of stuff that's coming out. That's just really fascinating. That and, is, and in the research around that, the, with Steve Miller's work, is that his name? Steve Scott, Miller? Miller. Scott Miller. Scott Miller. Scott Miller. Yeah. <laughs> I probably said Steve because I, I grew up with a Scott Miller and so I thought it's not him. <laughs> <laughs> but in that, in the research going on there, um, what do they, are they starting to interpret any of that and saying why that's effective with clients? Well, what it, what it does is that clients most likely will abandon treatment and as therapists, we're not good at picking up when they're ready to abandon treatment. Right. So what will happen is they just won't show up or they won't come back. So many clients, when you create this kind of formalized way, the standardized way of, of getting their feedback, you actually create an environment that you're able to kind of rescue the therapeutic relationship mm-hmm. before it before it dissipates. So you get a better chance of going, okay, I guess I'm not, you know, clients won't often give us that, Hey, this isn't working. They don't, they may not know. They may not have been in therapy. So they, they just won't do it. They'll just leave. Right. So this actually gives us a a chance to go, Hey, it looks like you rated our our session today a little bit lower. What's going on. Mm -hmm. And you can adjust as a therapist and they can say, well, you know, we didn't really talk about the goals that I wanted to talk about today. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, great. Well, let's, you know, next time we're going to do that. We're, we're going to be able to focus on that and be able to, um, you know, move this therapy session that works for you. uh, I I was going to add, I think is also such an important part of the therapeutic relationship is having those vulnerable, honest conversations you know, mm-hmm. especially for our clients to have that with so, somebody that they perceive is in a position of authority, mm-hmm. but that right. is seeking or asking for their honest um, yeah. interpretation or their honest feelings and feedback about what's happening. Um, just that dynamic in itself can be healing um, yes. and, and therapeutic. Yeah, it cre- yeah, I think that's true. It creates that attachment where, um, you know, you, you're able to have that relationship with a therapist that's honest mm-hmm. in the moment, in the present moment. Mm-hmm. And um, which I think is, um, you know, I think that's a key component. One of some of, uh, of his research suggests that it doesn't really matter what therapeutic modality you bring to the table. The, the two things that matter is one that you believe in the therapeutic modality that you're you're using, mm-hmm. and that you um, that the client feels understood. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, those are the really two things that, as a therapist, we believe in what we're doing is critical, and that um, whether it doesn't really matter if it's CBT mm-hmm. or DBT or whatever, as long as you believe it works. Yeah, and mm-hmm. and connect with your client and understand them and reflect back then they're going to probably have more success. Yeah. So which is kind of fascinating too, because we spend a lot of time with all these different modalities and it, and it kind of shows that it doesn't necessarily matter that much. The relationship yeah. is the key component. Mm-hmm. Right. 
Right. There's, that healing process. There's really layers and layers of attunement that I think need to happen in order to heal some of those really deep. Yeah. Wounds. And it's, oh, they're yeah. not really wounds that we can talk about. It's like we experience the healing of that wound and that's what's healing. Not we talk about that wound until it doesn't hurt anymore. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, that I don't know where this saying, you know, we can't do our healing alone. Right. Um, we, you know, we have to find other people that can reflect back to us the kindness we need in the moment we are experiencing our pain. I mean, I think that's where most of my healing has come in and in, in my own work is being with people when I'm in the midst of either my shame or sadness or grief or whatever it is that I can have someone who can compassionately reflect back to me um, their understanding. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's where if I look back and I kind of break it down to its kind of core thing, I think that would be probably for me, what has been the most healing component, mm-hmm. understanding it. Yes. I mean, you know, you know, we go into understanding, you know, why, why am I the way I am and how is my history play into this? But I think the healing moments really came when I sat across from a person who could be with me Absolutely. in my own shame or pain or whatever it is I'm feeling in that moment yeah. and, and uh, accept me when I can learn to accept myself. Yeah. You know, which is an ongoing yeah. process. <laughs> well, John, John and I often say to different clients or in our groups, right? That oftentimes our trauma happens relationally. Yeah. Um, oh, whether, totally. right. Whether that trauma was feeling alone or isolated mm-hmm. in the trauma or as a result of bullying or any types of the abuse, right? Like oftentimes yeah. the trauma is relational and thereby the healing is also going to be relational. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, for clients out there, it's them, you know, understanding that main component, you know, when they're looking for help, you got to find the therapist that you feel connected to. And if Mm -hmm. you don't feel connected to your therapist, go find another one, Right. you know, until you find the one. And, you know, even as a therapist, I just have to understand that not all clients are going to connect with me either. I'm not going to be the right fit for everybody. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, if I'm not the right fit, the sooner I can find that out, I can help that person Mm -hmm. find the right fit. Right. Or, I mean, in my own healing, right. I, I worked with, several different therapists and each one gave me something that was necessary in my own healing process and then figuring out when it was time to leave, Mm -hmm. right? Sometimes just leaving therapy for a while and continuing to digest what I had worked on with that therapist and then knowing when it was time to start that back up. Right. Mm -hmm. But I I can think of the various therapists I've had and I'm grateful for each gift that they gave me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And being able to know that that's part of the process and, yeah. and moving through that and being yeah. able to kind of go through that as part of it. And that's what I, I think I want people to know too. Yeah. I mean, it's a process. It's not perfect. Mm-hmm. Keep going. Just don't give up. Right. Yeah. Well, and, and I think that's part of the paradigm reorientation too, is there's not, the research indicates really clearly there's not one road to recovery from addiction and there's also yeah. in whatever road you pick, there's also not one tool. Like it's really this progressive building process. I get some of this here. I get some of that there. And it's this cumulative, you know, one day I may find myself, I don't have the craving that I used to have. I yeah. have confidence I didn't have before. Um, mm-hmm. So the other, the other day I was taking my son to the doctor and this is the first time I noticed this. It's almost like there was this PSA announcement. Um, I don't, I don't know who put it together, but it, it was something like, um, WebMD is not a real, a, a real doctor. So don't even talk to us about your diagnosis from there. Right. Um, 
And, and I think there's, I, I noticed that with um, a lot of my clients um, that there's this real hunger to learn what is going on with me and what are the resources that can help me. Um, and there's some really good information out there. There's also some really inaccurate information out there or yes. we find information that doesn't apply. So where, where are the best places for people to get informed about what's available to them? Besides Gosh, that's like, that's like, podcast. Right. Yeah. <laughs> we already know that's a good resource. I mean, yeah. That, I mean, that's a really good, that's a really good <laughs> question and a, and a tough question to answer. You know, I think if I was to tell anybody, it's like, go in uh, with, with the mind of exploring what mm. works for you. Cause, mm. cause it's, it's, you know, um, it's going to depend on that person. You know, I, I've, I've had clients that do really well um, with, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy. That's what they want. And then I have other clients that do that and they just, they, you know, they do better when they go and do EMDR or somatic work, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I, where do you get reliable? I mean, with the internet now, it's hard to know. Right? There's so much stuff out there. Um, but what I would say is explore it, find, you know, more than one resource, do your own research, become your own expert mm-hmm. in your healing um, and, and learn about it. And I, and I think um, that's where, you know, when, what I, what I found is when people, especially with addiction, um, you know, when they're, when they're really, um, getting that solid recovery, they're becoming experts in their own recovery. Mm-hmm. They're becoming, they're studying it. You know, they, you know, they walk away knowing why their brain is doing what their brain's doing mm-hmm. and, um, you know, understanding why their body is doing what their body's doing. And yeah, they become experts in their own, their own process. And, and I really kind of say, that's what I would say to people, go become an expert and find and find it you gotta be willing to explore mm-hmm. um and that's hard you know i mean yeah. that's that's yeah. the hard part right well and i think it's similar to what we were talking about with the paradigm shift in in addiction treatment it is that go and become your own therapist and keep that open-ended mm-hmm. right because yeah. more information becomes available and sometimes um the the lens shifts and we start to see it through a different perspective, or we have to recognize that what may work for one person doesn't work for everybody. Right. Right. So be an expert, but keep that open ended so that Mm -hmm. you're open to additional information or a different, different perspective. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Keep it open. Keep going, keep Mm -hmm. doing it. Um, I think the hard part is, is like with addiction. I mean, this is the hardest part, right. And why you need support is that that journey takes time and, Right now you're in pain, right? You're, you're feeling miserable. You're either feeling the depression or you're feeling the anxiety or the shame or wh- whatever it is, that discomfort, and you want that immediate help. And um, that's why you need the support, you know? Yeah. That's why, um, you know, if there was anything I would say is get support. However you, you, you do it, if you do it in 12-step, if you do it in smart recovery or um, life ring or um, a therapist or friends or whatever, get the support, mm-hmm. um, you know, go do it, get help. Mm-hmm. And, and so that you can become your own expert. I mean, I, I think yeah. you need someone to help you regulate when you're in, in that immediate right. pain. That's the hard part, right? Yes. You got to get through that so that you don't have to turn to the addiction right. to yeah. get and, rid of it. And you need somebody to tell you what's in your blind spot. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, what you can't see in the moment. And yeah, you know, yeah. we can't see all of ourselves. We always exactly. need people to, to like uh, help us like 
you know, living in consultation, you yep. know, yep. Which, is, which is critical. Yeah. As, as we're talking about becoming your own expert, I'm, I'm listening to the book, The Gift of Fear right now by Gavin DeBecker. Oh, okay. And he's, he's an expert in threat assessment and security, security and, and uh, things like that. And he's, he said in there that the expert is the person who has enough experience with this to know which details don't matter. Um, oh, that's good. And they can really hone in on the details that do matter. And so I, I think for people who are seeking like to become their, their own expert in, in treatment, there, there can be this real focus because we're in a lot of pain and we're in a lot of crisis. What's going to work? What's going to work? We also have to pay attention to what's not working for me. Yeah, I think that's true. Yeah, and, and I think we have to learn how to weed out some of those erroneous details because I, I have checked that out and it actually doesn't, it doesn't make a difference for me. Right. Um, you know, I've been reminded as we were, what was that? that feed, I would say like getting that feedback because when we're in that distressed state, you know, and, and we have that anxiousness, we tend to like focus on some of those things that don't necessarily mm-hmm. yet need our attention. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think that's good. Yeah, I was I was thinking through our conversation when we um, when we first started uh, working together. Jackie founded the company, and um, I remember when I started as a as a new therapist in an intake session with an addict, I was recommending groups like mm-hmm. every time, and that was that was par for the course for us. And I think it's right. par for the course for a lot of of uh, treatment centers. And I I think part of the feedback that we took from that over the years is group is not always what people need right out of the gate. Um, and, and, and it's not as effective as it could be. Like mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that group isn't effective, right? But we had to relook at and rehone us and, mm-hmm. and our perspective on that. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Yeah, definitely. No. And it was, yeah. it was some of that realizing like there's a, there's a way to do this where we can get some better outcomes where this can work better for our clients. And we really had to have a lot of frank conversations about what wasn't working. Mm-hmm. Um, and now it's interesting just this week we had, we had two other new CSATs in our area come to our office and introduce themselves and we learned about them and they learned about what they're doing. And they're like, so what groups do you run? And we were like, um, we run groups when we need them. (laughs) (laughs) It depends on our caseloads and what's needed, what's needed from them. And then we get a group for that. Right. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. And I think, yeah, like, you know, um, at our agency here, you know, a a lot of that, a lot of the treatment grows out of the need at the time that the clients are there. Mm -hmm. And um, so we're, we're, you know, we're, we're very open to um, being able to kind of just flow with where the client is and, and, and be there. And and I I mean, the hard part I think with addiction too, is that there's this balance of direction and because uh, sometimes they, they are making choices that can be very detrimental Mm -hmm. to them. So there is like um, this balance of like, Hey, I really don't think that's a good idea. I think you need to stop that. Um, And, you know, verse okay let's be present with you where where you're at you know um what feels right for you there's that that kind of gray balance of being able to walk that line with clients of being directive and then having them be self-directive if that makes sense and sometimes that's hard to do um you know sometimes we're not right sometimes we miss it uh but you know trying to to find that zone for them um it's tough in addiction treatment Mm -hmm. you know because there's a lot of risk and you know, people well, can, and, and can often, hurt themselves. 
often I would also add for a lot of addicts that I've worked with, right, part of how they maybe survive their trauma or their dysfunctional family setting was to tune things out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's become such an almost automatic way of dealing with any emotions, mm-hmm. right? With dealing with, with mm-hmm. so many relationships is to kind of only be partly there or to right. just lightly dissociated. Mm-hmm. Um, that, Recovery, which really requires us to be present and to be aware, right, really flies in the face of what what got us through childhood, right? Mm-hmm. These were our coping skills. And so exactly. that really isn't needed anymore, right? I'm not a child. And so I have more um, options and I have more resources as an adult. And so I can tune in and I do need to be very present and aware. Yeah. That's so hard, though, when you're feeling so, right? pain, so much pain. Yes. Right. Yeah. And, and when yeah. it's been ingrained that when I'm in pain, I go elsewhere or I escape yeah. it or I numb it. I'm going over here. Forget this. Right. <laughs> right. right? I'm going over here. I know it's yeah. destructive, but yeah. I feel so horrible right now. It doesn't even matter. Right. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's so hard. That's the hard part. But, yeah. you know, I think doing this work that the, the awesome part is being able to see people who, when they've kind of come through the other side and they're thriving mm. uh, in their life and they have some peace and, and some calm. And um, I love, uh, that's just the best part to see. And, mm-hmm. and um, you know, working in this field long enough to be able to really see, you know, cause addiction in, in my thought, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, it's a good long three to five year process of recovery to really kind of get yourself to a, to a place where you're, you're kind of solid. Mm-hmm. And so being able to work in this field long enough to be able to see that actually happen and having clients, you know, come back and they're really different people mm-hmm. I mean, from when they came in. And it's just, um, uh, it's just amazing to see. It's like, wow. Yeah. You know? yeah. I, I've That's seen awesome. that with several clients lately. And, and especially I will add as they start to learn how to do their relationships in ways that actually works It's so inspiring and it's really a beautiful process to watch that story of how things used to be Mm -hmm. into how things are today. Um, I think it's, it's what keeps us in this field of addiction in the field of addiction, right? Mm -hmm. Because Mm -hmm. we see, we can see the transformation and, and I think that's what gets us into this field anyway, is this is change possible first, right? And a lot of times, like you said, we are looking at that for ourselves, yeah, exactly. Um, but then we're starting to say, yeah, change is possible. And I don't think everybody knows that. Right. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And that, like you can, you know, it's like you can do this. Come on, let's get, yeah. let's get going. Let's, you can do this. And, and, and kind of being that, uh, that cheerleader for them when they can't cheer themselves on and, and don't have the, you know, they're worn out. It's like, come on, just, just come on, just get, just get back up. Well, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to fix this. We're going to work on this. And it is, it's totally rewarding. I I love uh, doing this work and being able to, I feel very privileged to be able to, to, to do this and and make a living doing it. And, and um, I just feel really thankful for Mm -hmm. that. I have a lot of gratitude that um, I'm able to have that opportunity and uh, to do it. It's just, um, it's awesome to help people. So Dwayne, how do people find you and the work that you're doing? Um, they can go to the addicted mind.com uh, and uh, there they can find the, the podcast. 
Um, and they can find all the information there. And uh, if they want to get a hold of me, they can contact me there. And yeah, awesome. theaddictedmind.com. And where, where are you located? Where's your clinic located? Uh, uh, the clinic is Novus Mindful Life Institute Family Counseling and Recovery, and we're in Long Beach, California. So they can go to novusmindfullife.com and uh, check that out as well. If they're in the area and they're looking for help and they need support, um, we have a great team of therapists here um, that uh, are ready to help them. They don't great. have to do it alone. Great. Great. Well, it was really good to get to know you, and thanks you for being on today. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, it's great. We want to remind our listeners at the end of this episode that your story matters. Remember, there is something meaningful in every chapter. Don't wait to share your story till it's finished. You can share your story with us on our Facebook page, Healing Paths, Inc., or on our website, www.thanksforsharingpodcast.com. This podcast is solely for the purpose of information and entertainment and does not constitute therapy, nor should it replace competent professional help. At the end of another episode, we want to remind you that nobody has time for perfection. We are pursuing progress. And remember the prayer of the perfectionist. Help me remember I can't do it all. Help me to take things one step at a time, and that the only step I need to focus on is the next right step for me. Help me to remember that life is a journey. Help me to be able to separate all that I am learning from all that I have to do. Help me to remember that I am not alone, that I can ask for help. Help me to strive for frequent awakenings, not mastery. I am enough. Amen.